0: The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. I hear,
1: right hear, right, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Redneck Tech Podcast, episode 99, and on this one, we're going to start out with class updates, and then we're going to get into Western hunting and filming. Um, This one might be a little bit shorter than normal, just because we kind of put this one together last minute, and uh, probably going to be flying by the seat of our pants for the majority of it, so, um, but let's be honest, we're not entirely too professional here anyway, so... uh, I
0: usually fly by the
1: seat of my pants. (laughs) <clears throat> so uh, we're going to, that's how we're going to operate this one. If you don't like it, then sorry. Um, first things first, I guess, is uh, the class. The class is less than a month away, and uh, we've had probably 20 or something people sign up, but then four or five or six people have to back out because of everything from work to family to buying a new house to, you name it, you know, there's, there, and I, and I kind of had the feeling that there'd be some people, normally that's how it works is there, have a huge influx of people that want to come and then there'll be, you know, several that have something come up. And that's the hard thing about trying to schedule something that far out. You just, you just don't yeah. know. And we don't know. And we've, we've had a hard time just keeping that weekend really blocked out for ourselves. And we've honestly had to tell clients like, look, we can't do things that weekend just because we have our class that we're going to do. So, um, But it's going to be fun. I've been doing a lot of work on trying to plan out exactly how we're going to do it and make it different from some of the other classes that we've done because we've got a couple people coming back that have been to other classes. And the majority of the people that are coming to the class listen to the podcast. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I like it. I enjoy it. You've never done one. Mm -hmm. This will be your first one. I enjoy them just because I get to meet a bunch of people and the networking that comes along with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're getting to hang out with – people that are like-minded that are interested in the th- same things you're interested in and they get to ask questions and hang out. And it's kind of a, it might be an echo chamber for us just because it's what we talk about and live day in and day out. And this is an outlet for these guys and girls that are coming to try and gain knowledge and gain experience to try and do it more or better themselves at what they're already doing. But, uh, I always end up learning a ton and meeting a bunch of new people that, um, a lot of them have helped me in the past with, you name it, whether it's finding a place to film a show or showing up or answering a question or you name it. You know, I've have met a lot of really good people through the class, and it, that's as valuable to me as it is just meeting good people, you know, because mm-hmm. those are few and far between nowadays. But um, first things first is we were going to, we have the location, the location of the, the school is going to be held at more of the, meeting rooms at the Smith house, which is a local restaurant and hotel here in town. Um, we're going to be doing dinner Friday night. I think it's seven o'clock with everybody. Um, we're going to, we're going to cover the dinner. So it'll be really good Southern cooking. So if you're coming, uh, don't try not to eat lunch that day. Cause you, you're not going to want to eat lunch that day. Um, at, you've had, you've had Smith house before. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It's real good. So, um, we're going to be doing that and Friday, really, if you, whatever time you want to show up Friday, Um, We're going to be here all day, or I'll be here all day. I don't know what time Ryder will be here. I'll be there all day. Um, You'll probably be there all day, too. I like
0: to show up to events fashionably late. Yeah.
1: Um, We'll probably have some of our gear over there, Um, probably not all of it, just because I don't want to move my whole office over there if I can help it. Um, We will come back here to the office to do some stuff. Um, But show up anytime you want on Friday. We'll be around all day. And Friday is really going to be a day where we – Everybody meets everybody, kind of a meet and greet, Q&A, and depending on what time everybody gets there, we'll try and do some hands-on with cameras and taking some photos and, you know, whatever kind of lends itself to that day, but more than anything, it's a day for everybody to get to know everyone, um, f- kind of figure out, you know, this area and what we're going to be doing, where we're going to be doing it, and uh, it'll be a really low stress, probably watch some watch some videos, um, you know, that kind of thing. Not a, not a really heavy day. Um, but definitely get there in time to go to dinner if nothing else. That way everybody can kind of hang out and meet. And I think actually we're going to have dinner in that meeting room. They're going to actually do it buffet style in the meeting room. So that's cool. We'll have our own little space. Um, I don't know how to tell you how to get to the meeting room. Just when you get there, go to the front desk and tell them you're there for the film class and they'll, they will send you to the meeting room I guess. Um, I don't really know how to get there. But we will. We should be there all day that day. Um, Or we'll probably wait until the first person gets there and calls us, and then we'll run over there. (laughs) Let's be honest. Um, All right, Saturday is the long day. Uh, Saturday is the day that we're really going to get down to exactly what the class is and what we're going to be doing. That morning, we'll be meeting at a location. I haven't decided exactly where. Probably at the farm I grew up on, which is probably about 15 minutes from the Smith house. And we're going to start doing some scenarios because what everybody said on the, uh, on the um, questionnaire for the for the class was they really want to get into storytelling and what is storytelling. So we're, we're going to set up essentially a mock hunt to where we're going to Ryer and I and Clay and whoever else we bring uh, Chuck acted like he might get to come. So if he comes then he'll be the, subject and ryer and i will kind of i'll probably have ryer actually running camera and then i'll kind of be guiding through the process and then let some people step in and what we're going to do is again it's going to be a really hands-on exercise on how to tell that story in the field and we'll kind of try and break it down into a spot and stock hunt maybe a turkey hunting situation a deer hunting situation kind of whatever whatever the area in lends itself to and we'll probably try and do more than one of those and then we're actually going to try and video it, and that way we can bring it back here to the office and literally break down the shots inside of an edit, um, and kind of make it make sense as to how and why we film certain situations the way that we do, because it's really hard for someone to, and I can and I can see this because when I used to watch outdoor television before I seen it before I saw it done, I didn't understand to be able to break down shots like you know you watch a. Mm-hmm. hunt or something you break down like well that's a b-roll shot that's a re- recreate that's a transition and then how you got it why you got it and the point behind it and to kind of walk people through what that shot looks like and how we would shoot it mm-hmm. and uh, and again the way we shoot it doesn't mean that that's the, the only way to shoot it that's the way that we've done it and you we're must shoot it that yeah, way yeah, that's the only or you way. get
0: excommunicated from the redneck tech community <laughs> yeah and that's a cut off
1: yeah Um, Just kidding, that was a joke. So (laughs) I think that's what we're going to do kind of that first morning before it gets really hot. And then when it starts warming up, because it's going to be hot. I mean, it's Georgia. And hopefully it doesn't rain. Hopefully knock on wood, we have some good weather. Um, Then we're going to get into pictures because that's the other thing that most guys wanted to really learn how to do is take really good recovery pictures. So what we're going to do is we're going to try and mock up some of those scenarios of how to do a good turkey recovery picture, how to do a good deer recovery picture and some of the elements that go along with that. And then bring those pictures into Lightroom. And then we'll probably come back to the office in the heat of the day, that day after lunch, we'll go out and eat lunch somewhere. Um, And then we'll come back to the office and we'll color those pictures and we'll do some of that editing work. And then um, we're going to be hands on through that whole day of like having the camera in your hand and walking through exactly how to, to do that shot and we'll be over your shoulder saying, you know, you know, look at this, you know, do this this way or, okay, why are you doing it this way? And kind of trying to be as hands-on as we possibly can. That way it makes sense to guys like, okay, this is why we change angles. This is why we change focal lengths. This is why how you shoot this is how you shoot this. This is why you shoot this. And um, and then we'll work on the communication as to what is, what does that mean? How does that work between the hunter and the producer? And if you're self-filming, you know, um, what does that look like, and uh, how does that differ from what we do, which is not self-filming. It's very, very different. Um, so it, that day is going to be very exercise-heavy, very hands-on heavy. Um, and and in terms do we want
0: people to bring their rigs?
1: That's what I was going to say. In terms of what you want to bring, bring whatever you want to learn on. Um, if you want to learn how to edit and you have a computer, bring your computer. If you want have a camera that you want to learn how to run, bring that if you have a slider, or you have a tripod, you, whatever, I don't care what you bring, bring as much or as little as you want. Just remember the more you have, the more that we can lay hands on with you, the better it is. Um,
0: a lot of times with camera specific advice, I, I can say like these are the settings you want, but every camera is a little different as to where you manipulate those settings. And so it really helps to have the camera in front of me and I can actually look and, Go into the menu and find the settings and show you, okay, this is where this setting is or this is where this setting is. And so if you really want specific um, instruction on how to change certain settings, you really want to have your camera with you.
1: Yeah, and then for us to be able to show you with your camera how to get a certain look. Say, hey, I really like how this show does this or how this looks or how to shoot. That's another thing we're going to do is how to shoot interviews, like how to stage interviews, um, how to set up your subject, how to frame how to get the most out of your camera, because I don't care what kind of camera you have, a thousand hour camera, or a 10,000 R camera. Uh, there are ways to make that camera work better for you. Um, and we're going to kind of go over that and we're going to show you the importance of shooting things in manual versus shooting things in auto. So uh, that's the, that's the goal for Saturday, you know, till lunch, early afternoon. Um, then we're going to come back here to the office, kind of break up into three groups and three offices and go over uh, that edit, you know, how that edit looks, um, why we edit things a certain way, and then that'll probably be all we can have time for on Saturday, and then Sunday is going to be editing, Uh, post-production. Ryer, me, and Clay will all have um, a a certain show or an edit or something that we've worked on or that we need to be working on, (laughs) We might do it something we need to be working on so we can kind of honestly have a a leg up on what we're doing. But we'll have it structured to where we're going to have a block of footage that we shot to where we can show you not only shot breakdown, but how we edit, how we hide edits, how uh, we transition, uh, show pace, editing to music, you know, all those things. Sunday will be a very, very um, computer heavy inside day and we will probably be here until the very you know earliest be done probably 2 or 3 o'clock and then we'll probably hang out if who or whoever wants to hang out till whenever you want to leave that day so leave time is whatever time you want to leave on Sunday but we'll probably be working on stuff most of that day and it will be completely and completely centered around post production uh so Saturday's going to be Kind of a mixture of post-production, pre-production, in the field shooting, hands-on, and then Sunday is going to be all probably here in the office or at the meeting room, depending on how we decide we want to do it. The office is kind of tight um, to for have that many people, but we might can do it. And it, it's it's just going to be easier to do it here, just because all of our computers are here, all the drives are here. Yeah. So just be prepared. It might be a little bit tight, but we will. We're going to make it to where.
0: If we need to, we'll set up some tree stands on the walls and yeah, stuff exactly, like that. Yeah. You guys can um, sit in those and watch.
1: I do need to get some chairs, though. <laughs> I will need to get some chairs for people to sit in for each room, You know, five or six chairs that we can put in there so people aren't having to stand. I'm kind of trying to take some mental notes of things that I need to get to. But um, Sunday will be a, a very enlightening day because it took it took someone showing me that knew what they were doing on the editing part how to do certain things and the importance of shortcuts, um, how to hide edits, things like that. There'll be a high point of things that we do, like, uh, and I need to, and I kind of need to write those things down of like how to hide edits, um, how to edit to music, how to end a song, how to transition. Um, those basic things that knowing how to do those things that are going to improve your your edits so much um, just by knowing these certain things. And then seeing those things implemented exactly how that we do them, um, yeah, that's kind of what I had planned. Is that what you you know? Is that kind of what you had in your head? Is there anything I am missing?
0: No, I think that covers most of it.
1: Okay, I am looking. I am looking through my notes here. Walk through post production breakdowns, editing workflow. That's something we're going to go to how to set up a timeline because we'll probably start from the very beginning, like bringing in the footage. Um, we're going to kind of go through the one hundred and one all the way to. Fairly advanced in a very short amount of time, so it will be a lot of information to take in, and we try not to, we'll try not to blow past people that need, you know, more help in certain areas. But to do an edit, essentially from very start to very finish, it's going to take all day, especially if we're having to stop and explain it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, think about doing a two minute edit from very start to very you know end. It's probably going to take us three or four hours to do that without somebody watching so yeah it's going to take twice that amount of time if somebody's watching so and if we have to break down every keystroke and everything like that so just remember get here from some friday i would say lunch or late morning lunchtime um or early afternoon if you can't get here earlier do dinner meet and greet saturdays all day outside be inside some when it gets really hot and then sunday will be inside plan accordingly bring whatever you want um I've got a couple people coming back. It's going to be really good networking. I've already said that. Um, So, that's pretty much the class. That's what I had for the class. Um, What did I miss? I think that's all of it. I think that is all of it.
0: If you all have any more specific questions about the class, um, just shoot us a message. Yeah. We can answer those questions.
1: Yeah. So, um, And for those of you listening on the the podcast version or we might need to leave a thing in the notes so like if you're not coming to class just skip forward to like minute 1630 in the podcast and we'll start talking about the uh, western hunting stuff now that way if you don't want to hear about the class then you don't have to hear about the class you can just skip ahead it's very thoughtful of you. That's very thoughtful of me. Well, I mean, I've listened, Efficiency. I've listened to podcasts before. Yeah. That they, They're talking about a whole subject that I don't care about, and I'm waiting to the end to hear what I really want to hear about. And I wish they would have just said, hey, just skip 30 minutes forward, and you wouldn't have had to hear all that crap you didn't mm-hmm. want to hear. So we'll start talking about Western hunting now, and it is 16, 51, 2, 3. Um, so Western hunting is what we're getting ready for. Mule deer, pronghorn, elk. You know, all the, you know, the Western big game stuff that we love to do so much. Um, that's what we're getting geared up for. We have a, we have, we're doing the tack event, or I'm doing the tack event in Utah. Then we have a mule deer hunt in Utah. And then Ryer will be in Wyoming beginning of September. I'll be in Montana beginning of September. And then it's off to the races for everybody. Oh, you'll be in South Carolina too, but you'll be doing a deer hunt there. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're getting geared up for spot and stock hunting and Western hunting. And we kind of wanted to sit down and kind of break down what that looks like and, uh, and what that looks like from a filming perspective and maybe a gear perspective. Um, I've learned a lot over the years because here in Georgia in the Southeast, really, there's not a whole lot of spot and stock hunting that happens other than maybe like hogs, which is, you know, fairly rare, but you I mean in California, pretty much all y'all did was spot and stock for hogs, right? Yeah. What are some things that some do's and don'ts that you learned when, you know, when doing spot and stock hunts? What are some things that like if all right, these are the the basics of what it looks like to film this hunt?
0: Um I think one of one of the main things is just being close to who you're filming. Yeah, for sure. Um because especially with spot and stock and how <clears throat> how variable and unexpected a spot and stock situation is. You don't know where the animal is going to be when you come up on it. Um, and you don't know what the approach to that animal is going to be like. And you also don't know um, kind of what obstacles are in the way, how the terrain might lie when you get up on the animal. And so, um, you know, it's happened a few times where I could just be a few feet different or a few feet back or to the side of the hunter and you could be
1: over one shoulder versus the other yeah and suddenly
0: now you can't see the animal yeah um or you know you could be hanging back to get a shot and your hunter's you know 50 yards down the road or something and you're getting a nice walking shot and then they're on an animal and now you're behind and you have to somehow get up to them and then continue to stock from there and in a spot and stock situation, you may not have time to be able to do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I think definitely trying to be close to your hunter at all times. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I constantly run into the people I'm filming just Mm -hmm. because I'm close to them. And, you know, my depth perception isn't great because of my cross eyes. So um, that that hurts that a little bit. But
1: (laughs) Well, uh, I always tell people the rule of thumb with spot and stock or anything where you're on the ground moving is two things. You need to be within arm's reach. Mm-hmm. That way, for if nothing else, if you see something they don't, you can grab them and stop them.
0: Yeah, that's that's happened a lot. A lot, yeah. They're in front of you, and and there's an well, animal, and you almost you can't say, "Hey, there's an animal." Yeah, I've just done, I like, I mean, I've whisper even, a little bit. Yeah, I've even see. done some
1: hunts with some inexperienced people to where you're essentially, you know, the hunter and the guide, where literally you have a hold of their shirt and you're pushing them, and then you're telling them to stop pushing them, telling them to stop. Mm. Now, it's rare, um, but it has happened before to where, or it could be in a situation where you're with an experienced hunter and they just don't see what you see, you know, and they're asking you questions, but you know you need to move, and it's one of those things where literally you can grab the back of their shirt and push them, push them, push them, and stop them, push them, push them, push them, stop them. Um, but it's sometimes really, just to let them know that yeah. you're there. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah. If
0: you're in a situation, there's a lot of moving going on. Yeah. Sometimes it's good just to, like, so that they know that you're okay. I'm over the right shoulder. I'm over the left shoulder. Well, I've heard
1: maybe. I've heard so many horror stories of guys filming spot and stock where the hunter sees something and they get down on their knees or they start to crawl, and the animal runs off, and then they look and they turn around and their hunter and their producer standing there, holding the camera by their side, just walking behind them. And 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 you want to say you want to slap them and be like the common sense says, he's not crawling to be cool. He's crawling. So the animal doesn't see them. So what do you need to do? You mirror what they're doing. Yeah. You get on the ground. You make yourself small. You do all the things to, because, I mean, you have to be a hunter in that situation.
0: Well, I try to, a lot of times, just stay, almost, you try to think of, like, what is the animal seeing of us two? And I try to stay, you know, right, as much hidden behind the hunters, you can while still being able to have a shot. Yeah. And usually you get the nice well, over-the-shoulder shots of, anyways. That's
1: one of Dudley's biggest pet peeves is when you're doing a spawn stalk, he wants you literally like almost like full body touching him because he's like if an animal sees us that close together, he said it looks like something with four legs. Yeah. He said it looks like another animal. They might not know exactly what kind of animal, but a four-legged animal is going to scare something less than a two-legged animal. Mm-hmm. He's like if they see that separation – to where they know it's two different things. Yeah. He said, that's when that's when you're screwed. He's like, you can get away with a lot when they think that you're a four legged animal. So uh, that's one of his big literally we, he wants you, and this is, you know, one of the first times I ever filmed him, he wanted me to do this. He's like, if I put if I pick a foot up, your foot goes in that foot. He's like, That's how close he wants you. You want you know, you're putting your feet in his footsteps. Mm-hmm. And uh he takes off his shoes a lot. And goes barefooted in his sock feet a lot and lots of crawling. I mean, it's a, it's a ordeal, mm-hmm. you know. But he, that's why he kills so much stuff. But I mean, you've got in
0: stock is gonna if yeah. you're doing it right. Yeah. I mean, it should be. Yeah. You should be right there with them.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and the uh, the second part is is they have on a live mic and you have on their, you have on earbuds because that is going to save you so many times to where they can look straight ahead and communicate with you. They see something you can't see through them and they can communicate back to you to say, there he is. Don't move. He's right in front of me. He's moving left or right. He's about to step out, you know, get your camera up and get ready. Here he comes. All of those things. If you don't have a live mic and you don't, and you're not monitoring that audio, you don't hear those things. I cannot tell you how many times that has saved a hunt for us. Mm -hmm. Is that communication? And he's, Two three feet from me, but he can literally whisper. He's right there, and he doesn't have to turn around and look at me, or he doesn't have to say stop 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 stop. He can literally whisper. He's right there, thirty yards. Mm-hmm. Get your stuff ready. He's walking out right now, and that I don't have to. I don't have to ask him. He can tell me. You know. You know. We know twelve o'clock straight ahead. You know he's coming out at three o'clock. He's coming out at whatever, and uh, we can communicate very, very easily. And I can whisper back to where he doesn't have to turn around. Um, There's this unspoken, you know, or let's say unspoken, there's essentially a a silent way that we can communicate and be very effective at it. But if I get lazy for one minute and I don't wear those earbuds or don't change my batteries or make sure my lav mic isn't rubbing or doing things that mess it up, um, I lose that, I lose that advantage. And it's already, you know, it's already hard enough to get in on animals with two people. So any advantage you can have, any 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 form of communication, any form of you know, communication breakdown of being too far away or not hearing a lot of mics. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. If you are 50 yards away filming them walking, they can talk into their mic and tell you exactly what's going on. Yeah. You don't have to wonder. You know, they can say, "Hey, run up here, run. You got time, run, 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 run." versus some form of hand signal that we don't know what it means it's like yeah. do i come do i go do i run do i just crawl you know what do i do yeah um they can literally tell you in your microphone exactly what's happening um it's it's invaluable and that's that right there is a reason to buy live of mics to me it's just same thing with the deer stand i mean it's that line of communication mm-hmm. is so important um it may it, it hurts your ambient you know listening in ambient audio um like hearing deer walking or whatever but I think the communication outweighs you need, needn't be able to hear an animal walking. You know, that's the hunter's job anyway. Your job is to be the producer and uh you should be still and quiet anyway. So that shouldn't be an excuse. Um
0: I think also um I think also knowing knowing who you're hunting with um and kind of knowing some of their mannerisms helps too. Yeah. Um especially if you film the same person or film a lot of the same people. Kind of getting to know how they how they naturally are, and then being able to pick up on when they might see or hear something yeah um, I had this better in my head, but basically, like if somebody is pay, paying attention to your hunter in the way that if they're walking and you know maybe you're looking over there, you can hear them walking, and if they stop then you stop or if you hear them start kind of walking slowly or you see that they're listening to something or doing any of those things, you can kind of make sure that you're in the right place for to film or to be ready for whatever might happen next.
1: Yeah. And then I think a lot of, a lot of outdoor content now gets or historically gets chastised for, recreating things recreating some of those spawn stock shots recreating drawing and anchoring and flipping off the safety or whatever the case may be um we we're gonna try and get everything that we can live so in that spawn stock if we can get people's feet walking if we can get tights to their face tights to their hands you know all those really cool um visual elements that really become emotional, we'll get those live. It's, it's, and when I say live, I mean in the moment. Most of the time, you have to be completely focused on the animal and you're not going to be able to get those things. So after a shot happens and you shot, kill an animal, and you do a recovery or whatever the case may be, the next thing you need to do is you need to go back and get all those things. Get those recreates, get those b-roll shots they are going to help you editing. Uh, it's going to help you tell the story better. It's going to help the edit. It's going to help everything about um, what you're doing. Uh, and don't feel like it's... It irritates me when people say, well, that's faking it. Or that's, that's not how it happened. It is how it happened. It's just not in the order that it happened. Um, your job is to be entertaining and to tell a story... And that's the whole part of storytelling. You know, if you come to our class, we're going to show you exactly how we do things, uh, how we do things live, and then how we do recreations. And recreations are a huge part of it. Um, they're an even bigger part of some other shows. Um, some shows have a lot more recreation than others, and some don't have any. And the only way that you're not going to have any is if you're running second angles and you're running the camera all the time. And If you do that, more power to you. Um It's not the style that we film. It's not the way that I think makes the best content. So uh, that's not how we're going to do it. But just remember, if something happens during the course of a hunt, whether that's a spot and stalk, whether that's sitting in a blind, whether that's in a deer stand, that you don't get live that adds to the story or that had a significant portion of the story attributed to it, whether that's glassing, whether that's ranging, whether that's drawing, whether that's communicating with you on the animal whatever the case may be you need to go back and you need to get those things um and there's ways of doing it correctly there's ways of doing it to where it's not doesn't feel so fake or so staged uh and is it acting yeah a little bit um but that's why some shows are better than others because they're really really good at making you a part of that experience and uh I don't. I just don't think you should have a problem with doing recreates. It just bugs me when people have a problem with recreates. I mean, they're vital to telling a good story. Anything you've ever watched on television, it's entertainment. All that's acting and recreations. Just because this is hunting, what's you know why is that an exception to the rule? Um, we're 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 creating something to be entertaining and informational. So therefore, it has to have B-roll. It has to have recreations. It has to have. Restages or spawn, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, just always make sure you keep a mental note of things that happen, and then go back and get those things after the fact. Uh, let me look at my notes. Um, communication. We already talked about communication about how important that is. Um, the spot and stalk, and I'll kind of go over the story of how it happened uh, in Utah. It's last year on an elk hunt with me and Andy Stump. Um, We got on, we missed a bull on the fourth day and killed a bull on the fifth day. And uh, both times I was within arm's reach of Andy um, and I was ready. He knew I was ready over his shoulder. I made sure I told him when I had the animal in frame and in focus and I was recording, I made sure to tell Andy, I'm ready anytime you're ready. And the only time I'd say anything different is if I wasn't ready. If the animal walked off, he got behind a bush, he, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm always communicating, you know, and I'm but I'm not being confusing. I'm not over communicating. I let him know I'm ready. And then the only time I say anything else is when I'm not ready anymore. Um, first, t- first time I didn't have Andy in my frame. The second time I did, that's what you want to shoot for. You want to have your hunter in the frame with the animal if possible. Um, but that's what happened that when we killed is the, the elk was coming directly in front of, uh, directly to us. He got to like five steps and Andy's in front of me. So he's three steps from Andy and, um, animal, you know, animal moved. I'm, I'm like, I told him I'm ready. He makes the shot. And, uh, as, as immediately, as soon as that elk runs off and I lose him, the first thing I do is I go to Andy for a reaction. Uh, that's that's the the basics of how you do it is you communicate where you are and what you're doing. That way the hunter knows exactly your status in terms of getting the animal on camera. And then as soon as that animal's out of frame, we come to our hunter and we get the reaction. Um, it's not really any harder than that. It's pretty easy. Pretty simple. You would think so. So uh, I'm trying to think, you know, Elk hunts are different just because you're in the mountains, and uh, gear becomes a factor and weight becomes a factor. Um, you know, I've done elk hunts both ways. I've done them with DSLRs. I've done them with, I've done them with um, full cinema cameras. I don't know, man. I think it. I think it comes down to what. What's your goal? Are you there for to get a kill? Or are you there to get something really, really cinematic and epic? And uh, I think you can do both with the DSLR, but um, there's just drawbacks to them. I know we're still in the middle of that conundrum right now, especially now that the R5 came out um, of what we're going to do next. I really want to get my hands on that, but I also don't want to spend $3,900 on a body right now. (laughs) But um,
0: I've always been a big camera guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, like large, I'm also a, I'm a big camera guy, but <laughs> also I like large cameras. Um, and I've never, I've never filmed, well, for a couple of days, I filmed, uh, I filmed you on your, uh, what was it, the A7? A7.
1: Oh, you're uh, talking about Wyoming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I filmed for a couple of days on that rig with the monopod, um, and it was nice, but. I I think I still preferred I still preferred lugging the FS7 around. Um, I think last year on our hunt, I ran the FS7 on sticks for what two days,
1: two or three days, yeah, two
0: or three days. And then when we decided that we were going to go and really start bushwhacking, I went handheld. Um, I definitely like handheld over the sticks mm-hmm. for an elk hunt. I think that I might I might rather default to that in the future. Um, just depending on what the situation is. If we're going to do a lot of glassing and things of that nature, I'll definitely bring the sticks. But if it's going to be like how the hunting was for us a lot of the times, then I think handheld would probably be the way to go. And I think that, especially with a big camera, that decision is a little bit easier because you can handhold a big FS7 um, a lot easier than you can a DSLR. And I... Prefer having just kind of the weight of a big camera and all of the all of the controls right at my fingertips, uh, and all of the audio options. And I think for me that makes lugging you know ten extra pounds of camera around uh, worth it because uh, I I don't the one of the things I don't like about filming with DSLRs is the fact that you can't always change all of your settings right on the fly. Yeah. Um, and I like... Well, you can't just
1: not near as quick.
0: Yeah. And I like having all of them, I mean, on the FS7, I, a lot of them are right on the handle mm-hmm. and the other ones are, you know, just a little bit back from the lens. So they're all right here and I don't have to move or change really anything to mess with those settings on the fly, yeah. which I think is definitely important in a spot and stock situation and when an animal's in front of you and when... You need to make sure that everything is right um, in the moment, and especially in a situation with spotting and stocking where lighting and your orientation and everything is changing really, really quickly. Yeah. So that's my two cents on the DSLR versus big camera debate. I will almost, I would personally choose a bigger camera for a better quality image and for the controls uh, and the ease of controls on a bigger camera over a DSLR any day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's a...
0: We're a mirrorless, I guess. I think you that's you have to say mirrorless these I days. I think that's
1: one of the we're one of the few left that still runs the big cameras. I mean, there's like you said, there's value in it. Um you know, and I think another reason we do it is generally we can <coughs> generally we can charge more for it. Um but also the cameras cost significantly more. Trust me, I just had to buy another one. Um, <clears throat> so there are definitely drawbacks to taking a big camera. It's really hard to hide a big camera. Mm-hmm. It's hard to carry a big camera if you're not used to it, especially in the mountains. There's there's definitely some tougher things about it. Um, I get asked all the time, you know, if I sell any or used, you know, our notes know, If you ever have any used cameras, let me know, and I want to buy them. No we don't generally have used cameras and you don't want to buy them if you, if we did. (laughs) Um, But it's uh, most, most guys out there, most guys, there's going to be shooting on a, you know, point shoot, handy cam type camera. Um, There are ways to make it better. There's ways to make it look better. Just learn to shoot those things in as many manual settings as you can. Um, And communicate, get talking, produce talking. Uh, i know we harp on that one a lot but it's very important it's very important to a good job of doing a good job in the field and telling a good story is getting that talking and that dialogue and explaining and just use the rule of thumb that your audience is dumb and they don't know where you're at or what you're doing who what when where why whether um and if you do a good job of that and you halfway know what you're doing in the field hunting then you'll be fine just uh Try not to be the reason that you lose an animal. You will be the reason that someone loses an animal of these days, I promise. But just try not to make that habit. Um,
0: I think also spotting and stalking or western hunting, um, when you're moving a lot, I've found that it's almost more important to get the talking because of how often the situation can change yeah. and how many different places you may end up and how many different scenarios situations, you might encounter. Yeah. And so I mean my rule of thumb is is just anytime there's anything different yeah. about what we're doing, where we're where we're going, well, where we've been. Um and if you're maybe doing, a different animal or well, what have you. If you're doing happened, a good job
1: of being close to whoever it is, um if you're close to whoever you're supposed to be within arm's reach, you should have ample opportunity to get that talking. Yeah. Um, and there should be enough talking going on between you and your hunter to be able to create good dialogue anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're asking questions outside the scope of the camera, then there's things that the viewer needs to know. You know, if you guys have a, a constant dialogue about what's happening, then they need to know. Um, so that's the, uh, just get as much of that talking as you can and produce it for the camera. And that's, that's hard to, that's hard to explain to somebody how you get talking created in a way that's conducive to being on camera. Whereas you answer the question with the question or set up this situation. you know, we're in, you know you've heard the standard, you know, we're in this state this week hunting this, that and the other, this, that and the other. you know, and that essentially that standard very cliche, Way of setting up a trip or setting up a hunt, and I think those are important, but be a little more creative with that. You know, talk about the story, the animal, the the pursuit, the the location, the you know, like I said, the weather, um, and make it personal. Don't try and be something, somebody, somebody, or something that you're not, because um, people will be able to to see right through that. That's not hard to see. Um, stay within your lane. And talk constantly, and I think you'll do fine um and shoot straight, make sure the red light's on. that's pretty important. make sure the red light is on. I think that's all I got yeah, this is a good this is gonna be a short one um you got anything else? I
0: don't think so no Mm-mm.
1: well, it is almost that time, buddies it's almost time to get to the Fall will be here before we know it. And uh, I don't know if I'm ready for it, to be honest. I don't know if I'm ready to hit it as hard as we did last year. So, all right, guys. Appreciate it. Peace.